glory to the Lamb. Glory to the Lamb. Thank you, young people, for encouraging us, for reminding us, for blessing us, for being who you are. Glory to the Lamb. God, we give you glory. We thank you for all that has transpired thus far. We ask now that you would continue to pour out your spirit, that glory would continue to be given unto the Lamb. I am simply ordained dust, but all that I am and all that I am not is available unto you. So use us for your service, preacher and people, people and preacher, that the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts may be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. As has already been mentioned, and I'm sure you are fully aware, today is Halloween, October 31st. According to the National Retail Federation, consumers are going to spend $10.14 billion, that's billion with a B, on cards, costumes, candies, decorations. They're even going to buy costumes for their pets. And I understand that, that, that the pandemic has made of the desire to gather together, and so there may be a few more Halloween parties this year than there were in previous years. I, I know myself of at least four over the past um, two weekends, but, but this country, this city, we love Halloween. Why do you say that, preacher? I say that because there are going to be, in a few hours, 50,000 people marching in the parade. And the estimate is that there are going to be another 2 million watching. We love Halloween in this city and certainly in this country. But what is it about Halloween that we like so much? You can't deny the candy factor. Can't deny that, that that's something important. Even for those who don't trick or treat. I, I, I was talking to a coworker this week and they said, oh, I'm so glad it's Halloween. I get to buy all kinds of candy. So even though they don't participate necessarily, but they go out and, and, and I don't care. You have your favorite. You've got your Snickers. You've got your Baby Ruth. You've, you've got your candy corn. Whatever the thing is about uh, candy, uh, you certainly enjoy Halloween, one of the things that I remember as a kid, I had siblings that we would get home and we would divvy up the goods. Uh, I'd keep certain candy that I like. My brother would keep others and my sister would get others. And, and uh, maybe you don't have a sibling and you have to go home. It's you and your parents. Well, guess what? You give your parents all the candy that you didn't want. There is something about Halloween. And they say, they're saying that uh, survey they took, they said Halloween is, is certainly it's about the candy, but maybe it's the opportunity to dress up. Maybe it's the opportunity the, to put on costume, to become someone else for a few hours. The survey says that Spider-Man is the top 
uh, costume for this year, and that there are going to be plenty of doctors and, and nurses as an homage to uh, those, uh, to the great work that's going on during this pandemic, and, and there are going to be firemen and police officers, and, and there are going to be all of this because uh, it's Halloween, but Halloween is also about neighbor. Halloween is about neighbor. See, other holidays you can probably celebrate by yourself, but you can't have Halloween by yourself. This isn't one of those Halloweens that you can, uh, holidays that you can sit and, and be, well, I guess you could sit and be by yourself. You could dress up and be in your home and get a whole bag, a bowl of candy, uh, but then you would sit there and eat that candy and get sick. So Halloween is about, <clears throat> about neighbor. Halloween um, is, it's about going from home to home, apartment to apartment. Halloween is about connecting with people that you normally wouldn't connect with. It's about talking to people that you normally don't talk to. It, it is an exchange. Um, it's opening the door pretty much to strangers. And when you, when you really wrap your mind around that here in New York, that, that we are willing to participate if we put a pumpkin out, if we put signs uh, around our door and some that says, come on in. We're opening ourselves up to strangers. That, that doesn't sound like New Yorkers, but come tonight. Certain neighborhoods, maybe even your own, maybe even you already have it uh, decorated in such a way that you invite other, you invite neighbor. See, I guess you're, you're stuck on this, and, 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 and I guess part of the reason that some people get stuck, some Christians get stuck on, on Halloween is because they miss this neighbor factor. And it's important. It's, it, it, it's critical. They, they, uh, 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 when when. When you listen to some folks or you listen to, to certain Christians, not, not y'all that I'm talking to, other Christians, <clears throat> they talk about Halloween as if it is this pagan holiday and that we should not have anything to do with it. And then, then we leave it over to the world and, and let the world take care of it. Some Christians believe that, that Halloween is uh, for ghouls and goblins. And I've even heard some folks say that Halloween is the devil's birthday. Well, those Christians are usually myopic. They, they can't see but one way. They're, they're, they're stuck. They're, 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 they're rigid. And the truth of the matter, the beauty of our faith, the beauty of Christianity is that it is not rigid. Christianity is malleable. That is, it is able to conform and transform. The reason that uh, people in South Africa can worship and, and add uh, their language and add the way in which their culture to Christianity because Christianity, God is so inclusive that he allows this faith to allow your culture to be included in the worship of God. That's why we love black folks. That's why we always got to have a drum behind our music. We always have to have something that reminds us of who we are. There's always something that the culture is a part of it. And 
Christianity is so beautiful, the way that God moves in such a way is that God allows it to be uh, 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 conformed and transformed and transforms the culture to being a Christian culture. It is not a rigid state of rules. And this is really this rigidness is what Jesus was fighting against in our text today. If you read the text, the, the, the portions prior to this, Jesus is going through a barrage of questioning. He's actually assaulted by questions. It's one question after another question after another question. They're trying to trip him up. They ask him about taxes. He says, render unto Caesar what is Caesar and render unto God what is God. They tried to trip him up about the resurrection. They ask him questions. Well, if a man uh, uh, gets married and he dies and his brother marries his wife and then he dies, he, he goes through this seven times. He says, what happens when they get to heaven? Whose wife is she going to be? He tried to trip him up with this conversation about the resurrection. And Jesus answers each question properly and correctly. Correctly. And then he gets to our pericope. He gets to the place where the scribe comes to him and says, Jesus, uh, uh, I've got a question. What or which commandment is first of all? He was being sincere. He really wanted to know out of the commandments, which one is first? And for our 21st century minds, we, we think that's an easy question. Part of it is because we've heard this story. But the other side of it is, is because when we think of, of commandments, we usually think of the Ten Commandments. Think of the Ten Commandments, that's it, and we kind of stop there. That's, that's where we are most comfortable with. But when we hear this question in the context of, of then, if in the context of this scribe who was asking the question, which one of these commandments is first? That these commandments he was talking about was 613 commandments. Picture that. Imagine that. 613 commandments to follow and to keep. And if you don't follow those commandments, then you were out of good character and certainly out of good standing with God that in order to be considered a good faithful Jew that you had to follow 613 commandments, that you had to abide by those 613 rules. We saw the cartoon earlier. A rigid household is a household that runs into problems. If, if you have no sense of flexibility, if you can't move. But, and so the man, the scribe asks the question, which one of these 613 is first? One of the 613 commandments is that, um, that you're not to panic or retreat during a battle. I guess I, I, I certainly would, would have been out of good stand. Because sometimes a good run is better than a bad stand any day. But in order to be a good Jew, you're supposed to follow all of it. Wash your hands the proper way and, and, and eat a particular diet. All of that is so much. And so Jesus uh, boils it down. Jesus says, you know, um, Here's the answer. Jesus says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind, all your strength. And Jesus says, the second is this. 
you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. I missed it this morning, but I just saw it just now. He asked them, which is the first? Jesus says, love the Lord and then love your neighbor. The first and the second. Here's what I missed. Maybe you missed it. You, you're, you're, you, you already got this. But when he asks Jesus the question, he doesn't just give, Jesus doesn't just give him the first. He gives him the second. Jesus always gives us more than we need. It's not just enough for you to have the first because that's a wonderful thing to love God. And and that's important because you can't get to the second until you deal with the first. You can't love your neighbor until you learn to love God. And so Jesus says the first and most important is to love God. And, And then he says, and there's the second. To love your neighbor. See, that, that's the trick to treating your neighbor as yourself. You, you, you've got to love God. Do, do you love the Lord? If you love the Lord, how do people know that you love the Lord? What's the sign in your life that when people look at your life, they observe you because someone is always watching? I'm not talking about all the cameras and the video and all that other stuff. I'm not talking about World Star. I'm just saying that you are always being watched. And if you are being watched, the question then for you, young people, the question for us, not so young people, is is what are they seeing? What, what film, what tape, what video, when they look at our lives, what are they seeing? Are they seeing us being loving and loving God? Well, how do they see that? They see that because they will see that you can't love God if you don't love your neighbor. And the trick to loving your neighbor is to love God. You learn to love what you give yourself over to. Uh, what you give yourself over to, you, you learn to love. There's um, um, uh, the children that are in my life love anime. I don't particularly care for it. But my son has the T-shirts. I see them with the banners. I see them with everything on there. They, they give themselves over to it. So much so that that uh, some of them have picked up reading and speaking Japanese. They love it, right? Because they've given themselves over to it so much so that they find out more about it. And, And what you and I can realize is that when we start loving God, when we start loving God, we find out more about God. And when we find out more about God, then, then, then we'll start acting like God. We'll start sounding like God because these kids, you, you start talking to them and they'll say something, these Japanese phrase, you know, means so-and-so. I have no idea what it means, but they love it so much. So imagine if you and I, when we start loving on God, that we'll start sounding like God, that, that, that we, we will start looking like 
the image and reflection of God. That when they see us, they'll see Jesus. And, and that's the trick to loving your neighbor. Because again, this Halloween thing, you open up your door. You, you put a bowl out and say, here, come, take, come. Is that not God-like? When God doesn't ask for anything, God just gives. And, and God gives not simply in very limited ways, but God gives in an abundance. The more that you love him, the more you will be like him. The more that you love him, the more you'll be able to love your neighbor. Minnie Ripperton, the great R&B singer, she had five octaves. Uh, she was Mariah Carey before Mariah was Mariah. And she would sing this song, loving you is easy because you're beautiful. And then she'd get to this run, la, 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 la. I barely have one octave, but... But she said, loving you is easy because you're beautiful. You have to admit, loving you is not easy. You have to admit sometimes you are not beautiful. Sometimes you don't, you don't look like you do right now. Sometimes, every now and again, that side of you shows up. And you know what? God still loves you. He loves you. How you can say that? I can say that with certainty because while we were sinners, he died for us. You see, he loves you beyond the masks. We, we, we presented or the young people presented this idea of this mask. And, and what happened if you missed it, then, then I, I invite you to go back and look at it. Because here's what happens is that uh, at the mask, uh, uh, when they encountered God, when they encountered the word, when they encountered someone who shared God with them, their hate became love. Their greed became generosity. Uh, their sorrow became joy. And, and is that not what happens to you and I when we encounter God, that that which was a, 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 a negative now turns into a positive. How is that? Because someone shared God with us. And so he loves you and I in such a way that he gives to us so that we can give to others. And so here finally, and I'm done, here's the trick to, to, to treating your neighbor. Every time your neighbor does something that annoys you, and you know they do, you, you, you've got some good, good neighbors, I'm sure, you have some wonderful neighbors, then you've got some neighbors, eh. the next time you think about that neighbor not being so kind, I want you to think about the last time God forgave you. Think about the last time you did something that you knew was wrong and, and, and going at it and going into it. You knew it was wrong, but you did it anyway. OK, you're looking at me like I don't know what you're talking about. The last time you raced through that yellow light. In his sight, it's all the same. In his holy sight, it's all the same. And, 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 and yet, uh, uh, who, who are you? Who, who am I to, to hold that against the other? When we realize how wonderful God has been to us, how gracious God has been to us, how he loved me even when I couldn't love myself, that, then why not treat my neighbor? So the trick to treating your neighbor, loving God, 
And watch, you'll be able to love your neighbor. Amen.